without any further ado, can I introduce to you for the very first time publicly as of January 1st, Pastor Carl and Faye have now transitioned from young adult ministry where they've done beautiful work and pioneered things and built great community to now the associate pastor over small groups, discipleship, and the last line of his job description, and any other duties as required by the senior pastor. I, it's a brilliant position. Would you welcome Pastor Carl Jones, the associate pastor of the Freedom Center? I'm so scared what that's going to mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so scared what that's going to mean one day. <laughs> well, good morning. Is it morning? No, it's afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I, I'm, I said this first service, and I, I, it dawned on me as I was heading back from a trip, which I'll tell you guys about in a minute, but that this is actually the first Sunday in 2018. And I don't think he meant to give this to me. <laughs> and so there was a part of me that was like, am I, is he gonna like call and be like, nah, never mind." Uh, <laughs> but it's too late now, so here we are. So I, I uh, was on my way back from Philadelphia on Friday. I, I was born and raised there and my sister-in-law, um, was going to die. And so we, she had a surgery a couple of months ago. Uh, it's real bad asthma. And they nicked a blood vessel. And she, she has a trouble clotting blood. And so uh, they put a clotting agent on it, but it never healed underneath. And so she coughing, coughing, coughing. Christmas is like two months later. And the clock came out, and her lungs filled with blood. She woke up 2.30 in the morning the day after Christmas, Merry Christmas, right, with blood pouring from her mouth. Put her in an induced coma, just craziness, craziness later. Get a call New Year's Eve, and, you know, my, my parents are in the room here somewhere, but we left New Year's Day thinking on the way, like, we're going to get a phone call saying that my sister-in-law is, is dead. And we did something revolutionary before that. Are you ready for it? We didn't put it on social media. Which is weird for me, personally. <laughs> but we didn't put it on social media. What we did do is we asked people to pray. We asked our friends to pray. People that knew us and love us and that we know and love and that we shared community with. And so before we ever got in that car, before a public post ever went out, our group of friends that we know and that we love and that know and love us were praying already. I, I can't express to you how less wild a wild week it was knowing that we had people praying for us, knowing that we had friends that we could lean back on, the, the texts and Facebook messages and whatever from people saying that they were praying or checking in. I mean, I, I, I'm secondhand, so it's not, you know, it's not my wife, even though I love her, but it, it's his wife and his family. It meant a ton to me. It meant so much more to them. So if that was you at all, I just pub very publicly want to say thank you for that. Um, but saying that to say that I, I, the importance of community is vital in our lives. 
It's vital. It, it makes hard times less hard, and it makes great times amazing times because you get to do it with people. You get to do it together. There are burdens that you don't have to carry on your own. And that's, that is what you were recreated as a believer for, is to exist with each other. Say, man, I don't need that. Nah, I'm good. I don't really like people. <laughs> I love God, but I don't like people. That's not possible. It's not possible for you to love God and not like the thing that he loves. The, the, to love God, there's a natural outpouring that has to flow from him to you out to others. To love God properly means loving people. That's a part of it. And it, you ever walk into, like, cosmic bowling, you know, and you're wearing a white shirt, and you think the shirt's white, and then you walk in, and they turn the black light on, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to properly hide this. You don't know until you come face-to-face -face with the word, with people, the, the true state of your heart, the true state of where you're at. And that's, think of community, think of the word as a black light that shows you the truth, that shows you where you are. And everybody needs that because it breaks down the misconceptions of who you think you are. You ever take those surveys and you're like, I'm pretty sure I just answered that with everything I want to be and not with everything I actually am. And that's what community does. And so this morning, we're going to do something a little different. <laughs> There's a question that I want to ask. It's a simple question. It's not complicated. But instead of me asking this question and then moving on to the next point where you just completely forget, you know, what this question was actually about, I'm actually going to have you break off into groups of three or four and answer this question. And before you say, look, man, I came to church. I wasn't trying to talk to anybody. I want you to realize how ridiculous that sounds and then get into a small group and talk to people. <laughs> so break off into groups of three or four, whatever it may be. What, what are you doing here? There's a hundred different things that you could be doing on a Sunday morning, but you chose to be here. Why? Talk amongst yourselves. I was waiting to see how many people would be like, no, I'm not doing this, and just get up and <laughs> go. <laughs> so thank you for that. But, you know, I, I, I wanted that question to not be skipped over because it's a good question. Why are you here? There's, you, you could be sleeping at home. You could be grocery shopping. You could be shopping at online Magnolia, right? That stuff is legit. <laughs> I'm a dude. <laughs> My gosh. You could be doing a hundred other things, but you chose to be here. Whether you're sitting in the lobby right now, whether you're in this room, whether you're you're hearing this and you're on security out in the lobby. So, like, you are here. 
You chose this. And Pastor Jim talked about last week, you choosing your community, how some are chosen by default, this is just the people I'm around, and some are chosen by decision. I choose these people. And for whatever reason, you chose to be here this morning. You chose to be amongst these people in this spot this morning. And I don't want the weight of that question to be lost on you. Because I'm sure there's a ton of different reasons. Some of you will go straight God. It's God. That's the reason I'm here. Some of you really like the music. Some of you like the speaking. <laughs> so, so, stop. <laughs> this, is my, this is my, never mind. <laughs> it's, a, it's him. You know, so there, I love the outreach. I love the, pick a reason. Pick a reason. But you choose this. You chose this. And the interesting thing is, so Pentecost happens. We're going to head to Acts chapter 2. And there's no, like we have now, like there's no Bible other than the law. There's no guidebook. There's no book on small groups. There's no book on leadership development. There's no iBooks top 30, you know, for us to look from and say, I wonder what I'm supposed to do next. There was just the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts chapter 2, if you have a Bible or your Bible on your phone or big gigantic white letters here, that's good too. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. That's a good day. That's a good day. Peter preaches. He preaches fire and brimstone and repent your sins and God has something more. And 3,000 people are saved by Jesus that day and added to their numbers. And like I said, there's no book. What do we do? I have no idea. Let's do this. This sounds good. And here we go. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's no book. There's no guide. What do we do? This is what we do. And what you saw was community with other believers being one of the natural results of the Holy Spirit's movement in their lives. What do we do next? Be together. We be together. And as the Holy Spirit was moving in their lives, it was togetherness that they committed, they devoted to doing certain things. Now, when, when we say continually devoting themselves together, there's that word. And I had practiced it, but now I don't want to say it. Uh, so, <laughs> so there's that word. We're just going to refer to it as that word. 
And that means continually devoting themselves to be earnest towards, to persevere. And you don't think about that when you think about community, right? Like it's supposed to be easy because I like these people. And, and it's hunky-dory, and you're, you're hooking arms and skipping, you know. I don't, I don't skip, but that's what we think when we think about this stuff. So why would I need to persevere? Because you don't always get along in community. Because you see things differently from time to time. And so there needs to be a devotion, there needs to be a commitment to doing this together regardless of whether you and I see eye to eye with each other in given moments. If I take this remote and I put it right here and I pray that it doesn't fall over and I say, describe that remote. And you say, oh, there's a little green arrow on there, a little red arrow. And, uh, you know, it's got some other button things. Okay, cool. You say, Carl, describe the remote. I say, oh, it's black. There's a little circle thing right there, line across that looks like it might be where the batteries go. Who's right? We're both right. We see things from different angles. We see things different ways. And we're not talking about, yeah, you know, I think murdering people's cool. It's like, oh, no, no, that's, that's bad. <laughs> but God is so infinite that when I set the word down and I say, I think it means this. Well, I've never heard that. I think it means this. And instead of us hashing that out together, what normally happens these days is we go, nah, you're crazy because we don't know how to properly sharpen each other because we're not in community. And that's what community does. How many of you have ever been in a fight with a good friend? Yeah. How many of you are better friends because of it? Yeah. Like that, when we commit to devoting ourselves to each other, it's not all just daisies and roses. Sometimes there are things that you have to hash out, things that you have to, but when you are committed to community, to friendships, you work that kind of stuff out and you're better people for it. I know more about God today because I walked into this building and swore that everybody in it was going to hell because they had a different theology than I had. And instead of running the other way, I engaged with it, and now I'm a pastor on the stage. Why? Because we, we, we hash things out. Because the Lord wanted me here. And even though some of my preferences didn't line up with that, here we are. Here we are. And we get a great opportunity to enjoy life together because of that. So yes, community perseveres. Community works things out. Community isn't just roses and good times and laugh. There's absolutely that in there. But sometimes being devoted to this means fighting for it, fighting for each other, fighting with each other. So what did they devote themselves to? The apostles' teaching. 
And I don't know if you've ever been a part of a Bible study, but that can have some hairy moments, you know? Like when you're talking about the word and belief, belief is a strong thing, man. Nobody likes to have their belief system challenged. Nobody likes that. We will consciously avoid confrontation in order to not have our belief system challenged. But that's exactly what we can do in Bible studies, where we hash out these questions. Look, I, like we, can ignore, we can talk for 52 weeks out of the year about identity if we wanted to. 52 weeks about living successful lives. But that doesn't answer the questions that the world has. And when you get into these smaller groups, you can talk about personal gender, and you can talk about gay marriage, and you can talk about all of these things and begin to hash out biblically what each of these things means and how to show love to a world that needs to show it. Don't be afraid of that. Because if you, as a believer, don't answer the questions that the world has, they'll answer it themselves. That's the way it is. And you'll be left in the dark wondering why nobody wants your Jesus. Fellowship. They committed to fellowship. Do you know that time is the most precious commodity that exists today? And how difficult it is for us to carve out times in our schedule, in our, in our lives that are filled with conveniences, so filled with conveniences that we don't have time for anything else. And I'm not, not I love technology. It's beautiful. I just want to hug this TV right now. <laughs> Take it home with me. But we, we fill our lives with all of these things that we don't have time for each other. But they, they committed to that. They committed amongst busy schedules, amongst like farming and stuff. I don't know, is that what they did then? Sure. Like farming and other not technology stuff. <laughs> to, to being together. To doing this, not this. Your time is precious, but it shouldn't be so precious that you don't connect with people. That should be a regular part of all of our lives, and you get to choose who you want to do that with. Breaking bread, yeah. Break some bread. So first service, I like to smoke meat, okay? I like to barbecue. And so I said, yeah, come over to the house and we'll smoke something. <laughs> Being totally innocent, what's the matter with y'all? <laughs> Thinking I was, you know, yeah, meat, not other things. This is the Freedom Center, but not that much freedom, dang, man. Like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That stuff is fun, man. Like, how many times have you had people over breaking bread together, eating together, enjoying the Lord's Supper together, whatever it may be, but we get the opportunity to have such great fellowship over meals. You know, like that's, that's fun to, to chill and eat and eat and chill. It's good. 
They committed to that. They committed to prayer. Man, what an underutilized thing. It's like, you know, prayer is like the last thing. Like, you know, I'll pray for you, but is there anything more I can do? What? I'll go to God most high on your behalf, but if there's anything more than that I can do, let me know. Come on, son. <laughs> no, there's not. That's one of the greatest things that we can do is to commit to pray for people. I, like I said, a wild week was not as wild because we knew we had people praying for us. And that people committed to praying for us was, man, it was next level. And I was so appreciative of that. And there are times where you can feel like peace because people are praying for peace for you. Times that people get healed and it's not their will to survive. Or, or we're pushing through this from our own might. It's like you ask God for it, acknowledge that God gave it. Because people committed to prayer for it. It's a huge deal. They committed to these things when it was easy, when it was not. When it was convenient, when it was not. Because to do something only when it's convenient, eh. But they did these things even in times that it wasn't convenient for them. That's community. And they did them together. Why? Because the Holy Spirit led them to. The Holy Spirit led them to do that. In good times and bad, through disagreements and agreements, you as believers are uniquely qualified to live in harmony together. I know. You don't think that's possible. <laughs> Your life as a follower of Christ is no longer me-centric. You are no longer the center of your life. Your decisions, the way you live, the minute that you hit your knees and say, Lord, Lord means master. You submit the ways of your life to how God wants you to live. And so the minute that you do that is the minute that your life stops being me-centric and starts being Christ-centric. And when your life is Christ-centric, the me's and the things that offend and the things that hurt and the things that cause pain, even though we still feel it, those things do not take preeminence because Christ is supposed to. And when Christ takes preeminence, unity is possible because you and I are no longer the central figure, figure of our lives. Jesus is. And we'll, t we'll see in a, a passage of scripture that I'm going to go to in a minute, but they had everything in common. Those people had nothing in common. But because Jesus was their everything, they had everything in common. And so how do different personalities... Look, I'm a, I don't like... I'm not a detailed person. My wife is. I drive her insane. But I, I mean, I, I just... I, let's go. <laughs> Let's, you know, uh, seven minutes before service, you know, Zach, when I worked with Encounter, I don't know if he's in here, but he'll tell you, you know, Encounter starts at 720. Yeah, let's change everything. What? No, I don't want to do this this way anymore. Let's do totally, something totally different. And I'm like, they have gray hair because of me. They like stress, like people are in the bag, <laughs> like blown in bags. <laughs> that's just not my, that's not my thing. 
but I know that I need to surround myself in community with people who is, that is their thing or else I'm going to drive people that love and exist that way absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And so one of the staples that I felt like the Lord wanted me to do was put people around me that were different from me, that didn't think the way that, same way that I think about everything that could challenge me to see a huge picture. And how does that exist when those people are so naturally polarizing to each other? It exists because my life, your life as a believer is no longer me-centric, it's Christ-centric. It's the only way that you and I can exist personality-wise in any consistent amount of time with each other because it's not my personality that clashes with yours. It's the life of Christ that attaches to the life of Christ in each of us. That's the way that this works. And it is the only thing on the planet that the world has ever known that has existed this way. Think about that for a minute. There is nothing like the church. There is nothing like believers. Nothing like it. The only thing on this planet that has ever existed to work in harmony when such differences were present. Because it's not about you, and it's not about me, it's about Jesus. So what did this all look like? Like I said, there's no guidebook. Here are the seven principles, here's the 50 ways, uh, there, there wasn't any of that. So, start in verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs, miracles, were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together. They were together. They spent time together. That's important. And had all things in common. We already addressed that. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. They, they helped each other. Your water heater's down. Come take a shower. Your car's broken. I got two. They helped each other. And let me, how humbling it is to actually ask for that. But that's what community is for. That's what we're for. And I, I know that, like, it's, it's difficult because you look at somebody like me and say that that has to be easy because I'm a pastor, right? I have people clamoring to be my friend. <laughs> no, no, that's not the case, actually. <laughs> don't feel bad for me now. Like, oh, I want to be his friend. Dang, you know, like, don't, don't do that. But... <laughs> There's, I can close myself off just as easily as you can. I can paint a nice shiny veneer on social media that everything's okay just the same as you. That's, that's no special thing. It's, not, it's easy, actually, really easy. The same as it's easy for you. And so, especially in a position of leadership where there is, if I'm vulnerable, will they want to follow anymore? Because the minute you say, I don't know, is the minute that you admit you don't know something. And what I found was that people actually wanted to follow more because it gave us a chance to figure things out together. It gave us a chance to address needs together. And that's what happens here. That's what this is about. 
needs were met together, but sometimes you got to be vulnerable enough to allow people to see that you actually have them. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Man, I like hanging out with you. This is fun. It's okay. That's okay. Not everything has to be a meeting where we pour our heart out to each other. Those are great too, but sometimes you just have fun. You play a game. I hate games. I hate games. I'm not going to lie. And people that we hang out with, no, I hate games. But I'll sit there and I'll have fun because other people like games, you know? It's cool. I like exploding kittens. That one's a fun one. And what's that one that we got? Bears versus babies or something weird like that? Yeah, there you go. I don't, never mind. Enjoy life together however you choose to do it. <laughs> Praising God and having favor with all people. Piano person, you can come on out. This is what life looked like for believers as they were dedicated to community because of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, I'm not saying that our lives has to look 100% like this. This is a testimony of what life looked like when believers for the first time came together and were led by the Holy Spirit and what that did was lead them to each other. That, I think, is important. How it goes from there, you see people who were saved, devoted themselves to teaching, important, fellowship, eating together, and prayer. And that's the outcome. That's what you saw. Is these people that they saw miracles and they saw they were together and they were enjoying life. And don't think that there weren't ebbs and flows in that. There absolutely were. But this is what life was like for them when they committed to each other with Christ-centric, not me-centric lives. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. People being saved is the direct outcome of community done right. No, I don't understand how that can be. Let me tell you how. So God, you and I can add to these numbers. We can invite our friends and we can invite our family. Please do, you know. But God adding to their numbers, people being saved, and God, the Holy Spirit, directing to church, to the church. You are the church. And the reason that he did that was because they had healthy community. Why would God entrust his people to things that aren't healthy? But this was health. What they were doing was healthy. And they were proving themselves a trustworthy people that God would add to their number. That God would add to this. Because you are going to disciple these people correctly. You are going to teach them, and you are going to love them, and you are going to equip them, and you're going to show them. And that is why God added to them. And so when we do this right, when we commit to each other, 
And when we study the word, and when we be with each other, and when we enjoy each other, when we do those things, the natural outcome is that you and I are excited about what we have. And we invite people in. You get a new phone. You get a new car. You get a new something. You want people to see it. You want people to, to, to enjoy, to partake in this enjoyment that you have over this amazing thing that I have. God's the same way. And it's real easy for you and I to fall into the commonality of this, of church and God. And I think I know everything about him and he's the side piece that I place upon my life in the given moments that I may or may not need him. But there's so much more for you. There's so much more for me. And as we do community together, as we enjoy each other together, as we commit to studying the words, word in time when it's yay and smack, smack, oh, okay, dang, Holy Spirit. <laughs> because both of those times could and should exist. And as we commit to doing those things together, the natural outcome is that people will come to know Jesus. They will come to know Jesus. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Prayer team, if you're here, you come on down. You know, I don't, I mean, it is and it's not. You know, I don't mean for this to be a full-on plug for life groups and I grow. Um, some of you have Bible studies where you meet together. Great. Great. Some of you have groups of friends that you get together. Awesome. I'm not going to tell you who you can and can't meet with. Some of you in this room have no idea where to start. And there's 300 people sitting in here and you feel completely alone. You feel like you have no one. Despite the fact that you're not going to gather with more people around you than in this moment right now all week. And it's the same every week. And it's because the opportunity for connections, you don't know how to make the first steps. Right out there at those tables. Take first step. Sign up. I don't know what to sign up for. Who cares? Pick one. This doesn't make. I made some of the best friends. Davo, you're in here, right? Back there somewhere he was. What up, bro? So, almost 20 years ago, geez, I just want to retire right now. So, you know, we did an internship together, and, you know, he's this Asian guy who loved comic books and was a tech nerd, and I was a jock, and we didn't really have a whole lot in common, you know? And 20 years later, he's a friend that now our kids get together. I don't know that either one of us would have necessarily picked the other to be friends with, but we were kind of forced, <laughs> you know, to do it. And now he's a great friend. 
Who cares if you have or don't have something in common? <laughs> you have Jesus in common. That's, that's, a, that's a common point. If you don't know where to start, there's those tables right out there. If you meet with friends, please keep doing it. Study the word, because there's such a thing as good community and bad community. You can absolutely have community with pain and bitterness as your core. Or you can have community with Christ as the core. And so if you don't know where to start, or you want to start developing that for other people, go ahead, right out there at the tables. Yeah, but I don't, ah, gosh. Because I know that's what's happening in some of your heads and hearts right now. Like, I think I want to, but I don't want, just, you know, talk to me personally. Tell me why you don't want to. And even if it's not a life group or I grow or youth on Wednesdays or encounter on Mondays, like, man, you need, maybe not want, but you need each other. And for whatever reason, this is the place you chose for that. So let's do it together, man. Let's do it together. If you're listening to all of this and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about because you don't know Jesus, you have no concept of Jesus, he did something amazing for you. Lived, died for your sins so that the separation that was between us would close that gap. Not so that you would be a good person going from a bad person, but so that you would become an alive person because you were dead. Come down and pray with these people. If you need anything, come down and pray with these people. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it holds not just what we do and don't do, but it holds who you are and who you're not. And I pray that we would read it that way and know it that way, that with every thou shalt and thou shalt not, it reveals your character, Lord. And, and regardless of any form of life that we're in, God. There are people in this room, I think maybe everybody, that just desire to know who you are. And it's right there. So give us a hunger and a thirst for it. Give us a hunger and a thirst to be together, to, to hash things out and to love each other and to laugh and cry and be angry and everything in between together, God. Thank you for this church. Thank you that so many years ago I stood in this room and condemned everybody in it to hell. <laughs> and you kept me here and had me rub elbows with people I disagreed with. And I can't thank you enough. Some of the finest people I've ever known and continue to know are sitting in this room. God, just pray that you're blessed by all of this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.